Brother Donnie, a few minutes ago, made mention of being old. I'm not saying he's old, but the other day when he was leaving the museum, the alarm went off. <laughs> I love it whenever I hear people get it about five minutes later, you know. And, and that, we, we done moved on, but <laughs> I got what he was saying, yeah. Good to see you this morning. Look, I'm looking forward to, to the uh, first Sunday in February, which is our high attendance Sunday. We had a great attendance last week. Right now, we are in the, we're in the midst of a tremendous amount of sickness. We've got entire families that are sick, and uh, tremendous numbers of them. And so we want to keep them in prayer. But there is something that God has laid on my heart to do for this uh, high attendance Sunday that we will be. And I'm, I'm really praying that everyone uh, will, will focus on coming and being a part of that service. I'm going to be doing on that Sunday a rapture ready Sunday. I, if you've ever wondered about the rapture, it's when, why, and how. And if you have those that are puzzled over it, I want you to have them to come that Sunday because we're going to be dealing with that. I have been studying. It's been a part of my ministry. Over 60 years of, of preaching and teaching out of the book of Revelation. And uh, as a small child, Beginning with it. That's the book I started with in my first sermon as a child and preached from the book of Revelation. It's not a, it's not a strange book to me. It's a friend. It really has been a companion of mine uh, for these years. And so I really want to put some emphasis on that week, on that Sunday. And so I'm asking you to come and be with us. And now today... I want to be talking about the continuation of what the Lord has put in my heart about that we prepare ourselves for this decade. The emphasis of last Sunday and this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about moving out and moving on. Moving out and moving on. I have a dear friend of mine one of my closest friends in Oklahoma. I love to hear him tell stories. And uh, Richard Murison is one of the best storytellers that you'll ever hear. He's a cowboy. And uh, he tells about when he was 14 years old that he left home and began to make it on his own. And he and a buddy of his at that young age hitchhiked to California. Uh, he, was, uh, he started uh, riding horses and uh, uh, a jockey at, a, at that young age and, and uh, how that they went out to a strange land just as what we would consider to be just kids. Things have changed, amen? 
<laughs> now we have young people that <laughs> never leave home. <laughs> we, have a, we have a government that really presses that too. You can keep your kids on your insurance till they're 26 years old. And sad news for you, you can keep them on your car insurance forever. <laughs> Do you, as a matter of fact, there are so many that are failing to, to leave home in our day that there is a syndrome that has developed and it's called failure to lunch. Now that, that, that's not eating lunch. It's lunch. Launch. You need to say it southern-wise, don't you? Failure to launch syndrome. And it's really, it's really a, it's, it's, the symptoms are getting worse and worse. Now, I, I know that that's, uh, that is what's taking place in the physical, but I'm, I'm challenging you today to launch into the future. And you can't do that staying where you are. And I'm not talking about physically moving, but I'm talking about that there is a need in this hour as we have never seen before for a move of God so that we will not have the next generation to be people who are anti-God. We've already almost produced a generation of people who don't know God. But I don't want to raise the next generation to be anti-God. I believe that God has stirred this church and my heart is to minister to these children and these young people. There is a definite call of God. One of the strongest things that God laid on my heart the very first week I was here as pastor was that he placed in my heart immediately an understanding and a vision of what our youth ministers are having their heart and the passion for God and God directed me get behind them make this a part of what we're going to do in the future in every aspect of making sure this church ministers to the children and to the youth and we're beginning to see it come to pass as God blesses us with more and more children. That's not happening in very many churches right now. But I'm going to talk about not, there are two, always two avenues. That is talking with the church and talking with you individually. Some of the problems that you're going to face is you're going to fail to move out and move on for God. To become stuck. And that word stuck is what we're going to be preach on tonight. But when we're talking about growing up spiritually, 
and trusting God, what I'm talking about is leaving our identity that's built upon the flesh and developing our identity built upon faith. And most of us have our identity built upon the family of the flesh. We're comfortable with our family. We're comfortable with what we have now. We see this in the story of Abraham in your Bibles in the book of Genesis chapter 12. As a matter of fact, we're going to be looking in chapter 11, but I want to read this in an order so that you might see what I'm talking about in this message as we're going to be talking about it in both services today, and you need to hear both services, both sermons. You don't get but part of it on Sunday morning. See, my introduction's been 10 minutes, and I haven't even read the scripture yet. And, and I, I'm, I'm fast, but I'm just not that fast. And when you're pressed with time, then what you could do is to help me by coming and participating in both which is really one sermon, but I divide it in half so that we're not here to one o'clock in the afternoon. Somebody give me a praise the Lord on that. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to how it starts off, and this is in the New King James. Get out. Now the Lord, and I underline these words, had said, had said to Abraham. Get out of your country from your family to a land which I will show you and from your father's house. Excuse me, I missed that. Let me read it again. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, get from your family and from your father's house. Men. Hmm. To a land which I will show you. Now I want you to stop right there. I want you to leave. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to leave your father's house. Now would you back up with me to chapter 11. Because this is basically uh, to understand it. That, that if, we could, if we could put verse 31 down there. It would, it would fit better. So that's the reason I read it to you the way. Because this is how that the Lord had said to Abraham. So that, that conversation had already taken place when verse 31 says, And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, or Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Cana. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And so the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, go back then to verse 2. This is God's contract with Abram. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great 
and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those or curse him who curses you. And all of uh, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Seventy-five years old. Now, I don't know if you noticed what I noticed, and it's not hard to notice, that God had said to Abraham, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house. But when we read verse 31, it said that Abram's father led them out. There was not the disconnect that God had called him for. And it was only after the matter of time that his father died before God renewed the contract and took Abram into the land. Now they went to, to Haran, and there it was to be probably for a temporary stay, but they dwelt there, becoming stuck between what God wanted and the reality of what God wanted in Abram's life. There are a lot of you sitting on church pews and sitting and listening to me this morning. You're stuck between what you know God is calling and desiring of your life and yet there is something that's got you where you're not able to launch out or to move out and move on in the completeness of what God wants. My challenge to you has been that you are to check yourself 10 years from now. I want you to determine and understand you cannot just visually be where you are now Last week I challenged you that what age will you be in 10 years? How much will you accomplish? What will be your accomplishments? You say, well, I've already accomplished everything I'm going to ever accomplish in life. Then you are not fulfilling the will of God because if God was through with you, He'd take you on. And if you are here, you are here for a purpose. Amen. I thought about talking and sort of putting Baker on the, uh, on the spotlight this morning and talking about his present age and then talking about Baker's dreams and visions of, of his future. And Baker, where will you be 10 years from now? Will you be sitting in the crow's nest? At Providence Baptist Church? Well, I hope so. But the truth is that I'm sure that there's a future, but he's not going to accidentally get there. There has to be a desire and a burden in his heart of where he is going and what God is wanting for his life. And that is with every one of you. You've got to leave your identity that's been built upon fleshly things. 
and begin to build an identity based upon faith. That's a strong statement. And it will take you a minute to get it. But if you're going to accomplish anything in your future, you are going to have to start establishing yourself with an identity of your faith. Not on what your flesh has been able to accomplish or what you have, you have inherited by your family and your current circumstances. We have our identity on our, in our families. We've all got a name. And that name gives us an identity. Our function is based upon that. Now, as a name itself, as a family name, you know immediately whether that when you bring up or talk about your, your family name, whether it is a functional family or a dysfunctional family. And I don't have to go into details on that, but the name itself, your status is brought to you based upon your family, your significance has a lot to do with your fleshly family environment. Your security was found within your family environment. But if you're going to move out of that flesh identity, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this morning. I want there to be an establishment of a new identity that you're going to create by moving and developing a faith-based identity. It's got to happen in this pulpit. You do not want someone in this pulpit that leans completely upon the past and what I've learned and, my, and the trail that I've left in my past. You've got to have a preacher who is basing his future identity upon the faith that he has in God. And that faith means that there is something birthed in me to say move out and move on to where God wants you. And so there are about four things I want to give you very quickly this morning. Write these down. Number one, if you're going to move out, you're going to have to get out of the dream world or out of the fantasy world. Do you realize when I talked about the children and the young people that one of the major reasons why that we have got so much trouble in our day and, and age is because we are training our kids and our children. The identity is found within the mechanics of the things they hold in their hand. We were having lunch yesterday and my wife nudged me and said, I want you to look over that table and there was a four or a five-year-old young girl. She was at least five or, or four or five at the least and, and perhaps even older. She had her iPad out and while all the family was eating, she was, she was punching buttons and she was working that iPad and her whole focus was there. But then the strange thing was as she was working her iPad, she reached up on the table and took her bottle baby bottle we've got some dysfunctional children because we are ruining our next generation 
Amen. There's got to be a revival of giving our children and getting them out of this fantasy world into the reality of, of the world around them. Do you realize the most shocking thing is that from the age of 10 to 14, that suicide between the ages of 10 and 14 has gone up 100% over the last three to four years. Because they're living in a world of fantasy. You've got to come out of that world of fantasy of believing that everything is just going to eventually turn out all right and, and I can just forget about everything around me and I forget about all of it and I'm living in a dream world, a fantasy world and I live in this world that I create when I'm by myself or I create when I'm all alone or I create within my own environment. I begin to shut everybody else out and I'm living in this fantasy world. I'm going to tell you, you'd be shocked at the number of people sitting on these pews right now that are living in a fantasy world. And so you've got to realize that is the danger. Number two, this is major. You've got to come out of your old self. Your old self is going to destroy you unless you come, you're going to die in your old self unless there is something birthed in you, a revival and renewing of where you are. You know, that's worse, why some of you turn to alcohol. That's why some of you turn to drugs. That's why some of you, that you sleep your life away. It's because you have, you've become so absorbed in the things that drove you into yourself. You've got to break that. You've got to have a revival within your own self. You need to draw a circle around you and stand in the middle of it and say, God, pour out revival upon me. Make me something of faith, not of flesh any longer. I've lived by the flesh. I've survived by the flesh. And let me give you a few things concerning coming out of self. Number one, nothing truly changes in your life until you change. You can't change things, and things will change. But it's only when you change yourself that things change. When you change yourself, and if you will change yourself, everything will change. You see, we spend our time trying to change things. Trying to make this work and that work and changing everything. And we press ourselves and we become so... We, we, we have just absolutely destroyed ourselves by trying to change everything around us when the only thing God is concerned is not you going out in your power and might trying to change the world. The world doesn't need change. What needs changing is you. And when you change yourself, everything changes. You see, the old timers used to talking about that it's a set of the sail. It's not, it's not the direction the wind blows. Some of you set still because you're waiting for the right wind to blow, the right opportunity to come, the right job to open, the right, the right something. The wind's got to change in my favor. The wind will never blow in your favor. If it does, it will only be temporary. The wind changes. 
It's the set of the sail. And the sail is you. It's how you set yourself. And it doesn't matter which way the wind's blowing. If you have your set, your sail set, you're going to go where you need to go regardless of which way the wind is blowing. Now I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. <laughs> but we've got, we've got to change ourselves. I'm going to talk about that for a moment. Uh, a minute. Because we've got to work, and here's what we do. We work at our personal spiritual development. Look, look, forget about what's going on around you. Forget about job situation. Forget about all of that. Young people, listen to me. Develop your spiritual self. Work at personal spiritual development. That needs to be written down. You need to get that in your heart. Work if you're going to change these next 10 years, it's going to be because you worked at developing your spiritual personality. Here's how you do it. I'm going to give you six things, and we're going to go home. Six things in order to develop your spiritual person. Number one, start with the knowledge and establishment of your agreement with God. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to say that a couple of times. Start with knowing. I said that wrong. Start with knowing and establishing your agreement with God. Your contract with God. What is your contract with God? Now you say, well, I don't have a contract with God. Yes, you do. But you don't know what it is. You see, what God gave Abraham was that God didn't say, look, Abraham, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave your father's house, and then I, want, I hope you have the best. Good luck to you. Now, God had a contract with him. If you leave your country, your family, and you leave your father's house, did you read the contract? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the whole world because of you. I'm going to bless the world through your family. And Abraham didn't even have a child. And yet God gave him the promise at 75 years old, he receives the promise that he, God's going to bless the world through his family. But you see, this is the contract. This is the agreement. You need to read in this book and determine what God said I'm going to do for you. If you will do this, if you will trust me, if you will follow me, if you will obey me, if you will lay your life down for this, if you will give yourself to me, read in this book and see the promises that God says, I'm going to make a contract with you. And then personally, when you begin to sense God's calling you to do something, to follow that, whether it's to preach, to sing, to teach, to minister, whatever it is that you feel that burden and that call of God in your heart. But you've got to begin to understand and walk in that agreement because it's when you fail to do it all. You see, Abraham went on out. He went out, but he didn't go out. And a lot of us go out to follow God, but we don't really go out. 
We cling to our past. We cling to our family. We cling to the things we know. We think we can take those things with us into our walk with God. God doesn't need your connections of your past. Some of you think, well, I can take my talents that I've developed over these years and I can take them in and, and, and uh, take them with me. God doesn't want your talents and your abilities. He wants your commitment. Follow God. You say, well, I don't have any abilities. That's what God's looking for. He wants your faith. Now, number one, start with the knowledge. Start with knowing and establishing your agreement with God. Number two, understand the power of vision. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. And one translation says without a vision, the people throw off restraints. There's nothing to hold you and to keep you. Listen, if you don't develop a vision for the next 10 years, you're going to float around like a piece of driftwood and wind up wherever the current takes you and piles you into the other driftwood that, that winds up in a stagnated part of the river. That's the only thing that's going to happen to you if you just float through the next 10 years. But if you have a vision, you're going to go regardless of how that the trend of the river is. You're not a piece of driftwood. Amen. I'm going to tell somebody that. You're not a piece of driftwood. Amen. So there's power. Number two, power and vision. Number three, work on your attitude about your past. You got to work on your attitude about your How many of you got a past? Oh, the rest of y'all, bless your hearts. I don't know what happened to you. You just happened to show up today. Huh? <laughs> you have a past. There's things of your past that are destroying your tomorrows. Because one, one, one thing is that it works against you like a weight. Your past is like weights hanging on to you that's destroying your ability. You know what those weights are? It's because of the things that you have known in the past. What has happened to you in the past has nothing to do with you tomorrow unless you allow. The weights... The crippling fears. Have you ever had anything in your past that's caused great fear, torment? Have you ever been done wrong? Have you ever been forsaken? Have you ever been cheated on? Have you ever been, have you, has anything ever happened? But those things still hang to you and they cripple you because you cannot go into the future because there is crippling, crippling fears that still drag your feet. You can't move out as long as you are hung to the fears of the past. I know you're going to need to listen to this message about three or four times to get everything. But also, your past produces the thoughts of punishment. You want to punish yourself and believe you're still under punishment because of the things you did. How many of you believe in the grace of God that forgives your sins? Amen. God is able, number four, Number four, move toward your future. Move toward it. Start making directions toward your future. If you set yourself and understand where you will be at the end of this decade, begin to move toward the future. Two ways that you'll go into the future. Every one of you are going to go into the future. One of these two ways. Number one, with apprehension. 
or number two, with anticipation. You're going to go into this, and you, you, if you are worried about your age, your physical condition, your mental condition, the people that are around you and you go into the future with apprehension, you're not going to make it very far until you're weighted down and you come to your Haran and you become frozen or stuck there. Or you can go in with great anticipation. How many is excited about this coming decade? How many is excited about it? Amen. Amen. Are you apprehensive? You can be apprehensive about what other. Well, what if so-and-so gets elected? What if this happens? Ain't got nothing to do with your future. God is your king. Amen. Amen. I said God is our king. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my protector. Jesus is my strength. The Holy Ghost has been given to me to guide me through whatever comes in my future. I belong to God and I belong totally to Him and He's in control of my tomorrows. Hallelujah. Number five, set values on what you have become, not on what you acquire. Set value upon what you become and not what you acquire. Some of you have set your values upon the things you own and don't own. You look at what other people, where they live. You look at what cars they drive. You look at how much money they got. And you, you put your values based upon things that you have. You need to set your sail and begin to understand the value is in what you are going to become. It has nothing to do with what you don't or do have. It doesn't matter what your mom and daddy is. It doesn't matter what's around you. What kind of house you live in. What kind of car you drive. I know that I can put my value in what I become. And I want to become a man of faith. How many of you are with me? A man of faith. Number six and the last. Make sure to find those around you who value your value. I want to tell you what you can do. The Bible says it like this. Let me give it to you quickly. The Bible says that there are times that you go to places and they reject you, you dust your shoes off and go on somewhere else. And the Bible also says, don't cast your pearls before the swine. There are people that don't and will not ever recognize your value. And you can get stuck with people that will take advantage of you and will become so acquainted with you that they will take you for granted. Amen. Amen. And one of the greatest ways to lose your value is to begin to be stuck with people that don't value your value. I've gone into churches sing, doing revivals and I've, I've, I've gone to churches and I've listened to people sing and I nearly fall off of my pew. Thinking, man, that's one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life. What in the world? And they get through singing, the people would go, come on now. They just heard one of the greatest songs, one of the greatest singers that you could ever hear. But because they've been there since they were 10 years old, people didn't value them. Come on now. And they had no value around the people
that would not place value upon recognizing what they had. If you've been in a place and you bring value to that place and your value has been proven and yet the people don't place value upon your value and they don't recognize that, it may be time to find somebody that does value your value. You say, preacher, that's where the strange preaching. No, some of you are stuck. You've got talents and abilities. And that's why that we are to minister to one another and build up one another and encourage one another. And when we recognize what we've got with those around us, let's let them know how valuable they are. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't sing in a cornfield anymore. When I was a kid, come on. When I was a child, I preached some of my greatest messages in cotton fields. I've, I've set up my pulpit and had me about 10,000 in attendance. And that, and that cotton would just be swaying every way. And when that wind, and I'd sometimes I'd be preaching, and I'd look out there, and one of those those dust tornadoes come across that field, and I said, "Glory to God, the Holy Ghost come in this service today." <laughs> but I never got much value out of those cotton stalks. Careful where you put your values that people recognize what they got when they got you. Come on now. Because you'll do one or two things. You'll either pull yourself back down and you'll quit or give up. Come to mind of a young lady that I know many years ago and I can still see her. Dawn was her name actually. It wasn't our daughter but it was another Dawn. She was one of the most talented artists that I'd ever, ever known. She could sit five minutes and draw one of the most beautiful pictures. I hadn't talked and seen Dawn in many, many years, but I can tell you, I remember as just a child, one of the things I said to her was, Dawn, don't waste that talent. Don't waste that ability. But everybody around her, her family and all, Since she'd been drawing since she was a little girl, they didn't value. I want to tell you something. Get up. Get out of your situation. Right now, God's calling upon people in this place to develop yourself for the work of God and for the next decade. Set goals. And I don't apologize for being a little over. I try my best to hit it by 12. But I feel God in this place. 
Last Sunday at the end of the service, I had several, at least a half a dozen, come to me after church. And young people, young people, wanting prayer, wanting to know. I'm not going to run past an opportunity as I call upon you today in this service, and I want you to bow your head. The Father, in Jesus' name, we've given the word as we've strongly been impressed of your spirit. Speak to hearts right now, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed. I'm going to do things a little different. If you're in this place today and you say, Preacher, I need prayer. I want to make a commitment to myself as I make a commitment to God to develop myself in my future. I want you to slip your hand up and right back down right where you are. God bless you. God bless you all over this place. All over this place. God bless you. One of the things you can do is to get around some people that will encourage you. Set under ministries that will build you up and will encourage your faithfulness to God. If you need prayer, if, you, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, this is the day, this is the time. I'm going to step down front and I'm going to ask you to come if you want to receive him. But also if you're in this place and you say, this is the place I need to plant my, my feet. This is where God wants me to minister. I want to be a part of this church. These doors are open to you. Our hearts are open to you. Those that raised your hand, would you pray? As we sing this song, would you just step aside from the singing of it long enough to pray, God, here I am. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Take me and use me in these days that are ahead. Would you stand with us?